Percy, can a spiritual leader still be effective while allowing his or her congregation to see them vulnerable and struggling? Can that be a good example for a flock to follow? Well, Wayne, that is the elephant sitting in the proverbial ecclesiastical living room now, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Some may presume that spiritual leaders should always display strength and appear invincible. But does God, his holy scriptures, and our biblical examples support that school of thought? All right. Well, today we're going to hear from a pastor who had to confront this very issue during his cancer journey. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Rev. Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. And Percy, we are going to talk about a pastor going through a cancer crisis today. We are, and we've had a couple of shows here and there where we've done that, uh, but we want to continue to keep that narrative in front of us because we're seeing more pastors and their family members who are being diagnosed with cancer, and we need to talk about the mental, emotional impact of that and how they react and respond before their congregations. Yeah, I think this will be helpful for both congregations in general and maybe for elders, you know, in the church who need to know how to respond to a pastor who's going through a cancer crisis. So I'm looking forward to what we'll learn together here today on the program. And we have some resources as well. We have a resource called Emotional Needs of Cancer Patients. That's available at our website, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And we have a question we'd like to pose in light of our interview to come on the program today. As you talk to Pastor Greg, we're asking this question this week. Would it be helpful to you if your pastor publicly shared that he or she had cancer and why? Percy, thanks for asking that question. Absolutely. I think that it's an important question. and I can't wait to hear the response to that as we continue to encourage this discussion. And to answer the question, simply go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on the Connect button, and that'll give you a drop-down menu where you can answer the question again. Would it be helpful to you if your pastor publicly shared what he or she had cancer and why? I like posing these questions, Percy, because as we often say, this is a community. We're in this together, aren't we? And we can help each other. Absolutely. And the point of the show is to do just that. So as we continue to have this dialogue, uh, let's share back and forth. And we'd love to hear the reaction and responses. And we'll be able to share some of those on future shows. Now, this is the first time we've asked that question. So obviously, we haven't received any responses yet. But we have asked other questions, including this one. How did or does your faith make a difference in your cancer journey? And we got quite quite a response to that. Yeah, we did. So we have a response from uh, Brooksville, Florida, and basically the response was this. My faith makes all the difference in my cancer journey. I am learning to instantly turn my anxious thoughts into prayers. I'm giving it to God and leaving it with him. Uh, That is so rich. Well, thank you for responding to the questions we ask as we encourage each other. Again, go to HHIHealthHopeAndInspiration.com and and, uh, look for the Connect button and the drop-down menu. You can answer this week's question. Well, Percy, let's open with Scripture today. Well, our spiritual nugget is found in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and we're going to read verses 8 through 10, and it basically tells us this. Concerning this thing... I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And when we listen to today's discussion, mm-hmm. we'll understand why this particular scripture will be so powerful and will resonate with our discussion. And we'll get to today's guest in just a moment. Have you ever wanted to find answers to your cancer-related questions? With Cancer Center for Alexa, now you can. The Cancer Center for Alexa skill is a voice-activated question and answer tool empowering users to ask Alexa questions they may have about cancer or services available at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The skill can answer over 800 questions on more than 40 different cancer types, symptoms, risk factors, and treatment options. To access this tool, you or anyone you support can simply say, Alexa, enable Cancer Center to any Amazon device. Now, you can also access this tool on any smartphone by downloading the Alexa app. What a great idea. Well, let's meet today's guest now on Health, Hope, and Inspiration as Percy talks with Pastor Greg. Well, with me today is Pastor Greg, and he uh, pastors a church uh, McConnellstown Church of the Nazarene uh, in Pennsylvania. He'll tell us a little bit about uh, his congregation, uh, but he's here with us because he is treating, currently a, an actively treating cancer, uh, prostate cancer patient at Cancer Treatment Centers of America uh, in Chicago, uh, originally diagnosed March of 2016. And so uh, welcome to the show today, Pastor. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It is just an honor and privilege to be oh, here. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, likewise, I am always uh, being um, part of the, the fraternity of ministers and pastors. Uh, I formerly pastor their church as well. Uh, I'm always uh, privileged as well to meet others uh, in the faith and who has shepherded and who is shepherding God's people. And that's a hard job. And a lot of people may not know that. But being a pastor is not an easy job, particularly in the day and age that we live in. So thank you for your call and your vocation, sir. But we're going to talk about today uh, about being a cancer patient. As mentioned in the introduction, uh, you are currently uh, being treated for stage four prostate cancer, but you're in remission. I'm right in remission. That's correct. Okay. And so... Uh, but you're still in, a, in an active protocol where you're being watched and monitored. Every three months, okay. I come out here for uh, a checkup, and they, they check me, and they do blood work. Uh, once a year, I get a scan, okay. and they monitor me closely because I'm an aggressive form of prostate cancer. Okay. And the thought is that someday it may reappear. Got it. And so they, they want to keep close tabs on me yeah. uh, in an event that may happen. Okay. Well, with that being said, um, let's talk about the initial day, mm. as I, as most people often refer to it, the day uh, when you were told that you had cancer, and where were you, and how did you feel, sir? It was a Friday afternoon. Uh, it was about 3.15. It's strange how you remember that. Yeah. I was home, and my urologist called me, and I was sitting in the living room with my wife waiting for that phone call. And I picked up the phone, and it was my urologist. And he said, Greg, you have prostate cancer. And that news was startling, but he also said I was Gleason 9. Hmm. And now that means it's an aggressive form of the prostate cancer. Okay. And, of course, I had already visited Dr. Google. 
Okay. So I had known that the Gleason score indicated what type of cancer you had. And so being Gleason 9, I knew it was an aggressive form of prostate cancer. Gotcha. And at that point, he gave me a life expectancy of 10 years. Okay. So as a 61-year-old man, given 10 years to live, I was, my world was rocked. I was shocked. Okay. Thinking of my grandchildren, thinking of my wife thinking of all the things that just rushed through my head of only having 10 years left. Yeah, yeah. Well, it puts kind of puts some things in perspective, I would it, imagine. It did. Quickly. It did. It very quickly. Yeah. So with that being said, um, you're told that you have cancer. Um, your world is rocked. You know, you're, you're given uh, a time frame, you know, at least to think about. And depending on who you are, I've supported many cancer patients. Some people say that, that that was a good thing. Some people say they would have preferred not to hear that. I don't know what really is good or not good with regard to being told how much time that you have. I think it really depends on the personality of the individual. I've talked to many people of faith who have said they wanted to have their physician give them a window of time. And then I've talked to individuals that they did not want to hear that. So in your particular case, uh, you get that information, uh, and as you said, that, that really dar- starts to put some things in perspective for you. You're a pastor of a church. Uh, and again, doesn't matter what size your church is. It doesn't matter about any of that. I have been a former pastor, and I know the grind, the mental and the emotional and the physical grind of being a pastor. And I think a lot of people think that being a pastor seems really glamorous and you're out in front of the people. And But, but I don't think the average person has any real sense of the burden that, that a pastor carries uh, with regard to the spiritual well-being of the flock that God has asked him to stand over. So you have that dynamic as well. Let's talk about a little bit, let's shift gears here and talk about from a pastor's perspective, what went through your mind after being told that you had cancer? Because, you know, you got to stand before the congregation now. Well, that was a hard thing. As a pastor, I had been in many hospital rooms with congregants going through cancer, congregants being sick, and prayed for them. And now here I was going to be standing in front of the congregation declaring a weakness, Correct. And asking for prayer from them. Yep. Kneeling at an altar, asking for an anointing from them. Yeah. And now a whole different dynamic was going to be taking place because now I was going to be the weak one requiring something from them. I was heading for surgery. Mm. I was going to have my prostate removed. That was the immediate decision because I wanted this cancer out of me, and I wanted it out as soon as possible. Okay. I called up my urologist, and I said, can I get this out tomorrow? Okay. Gotcha. So you're standing before the congregation in that kind of vulnerable state. Exactly. And what I know historically for many pastors, and I'm— glad to say that I'm, I'm seeing a trend and a shift with regard to historically in the past, many pastors would keep that and hide that from the congregation. And they have to really come to terms with, just as you stated, do I want to be viewed as being frail, compromised, sick, even in some cases viewed as not having enough faith? And why am I dealing with this? Did I sin? Is there sin in my life? There's a lot of different things that happen here. All of those thoughts went through my head. 
How did you manage that, Pastor? It was a very difficult decision to even think about making. My first thought was, well, I just have to keep this inside. Yeah. Because I remember when I was trained as a pastor 20 years ago, I remember that one professor saying, you have to be the strong one. Yep. You as a pastor, you have to keep all your weaknesses inside. And here I was sharing a weakness. The emperor of diseases has hit their pastor, right. and now they were going to have to put some strength into this church, and they were going to have to fill in and do some things that their pastor was not going to be able to do. And oh my, it took it took some courage. And, and, and I appreciate you being transparent about that. Most of my friends over the years have been pastors. And, I, and, and again, we've had this discussion of how would I handle that? What would I say? Because here's the takeaway. And I, too, am a, a cancer patient. So uh, I also can understand uh, all of those emotions is that the reality is, and I think it's a, it's a great reminder in many ways that pastors are humans just like the people that they serve. And sometimes people lose sight of that. And I think sometimes pastors lose sight of that. And and that gets sometimes pastors in trouble because it they does. start, it they, they kind of forget at the end of the day, you know, you just have a gift and a calling, but you're just as human as the people that you serve that sit in front of you every day. And, uh, and so balancing that really can be difficult sometimes for, for pastors. You start, you, 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 yeah, obviously you you make that information uh, known in front of your church or to your church on some level, but you also have to start treatment and care. Yeah. You have to do medical care, so that's a whole nother element to this thing. Is that not only do I have this 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 the emperor of all diseases or the malady of our day, which is what many people consider yeah. cancer to be, uh, but now you've got to actually go and submit to a medical process. How did you reconcile? that uh, walk and that journey with your faith orientation and your belief system? Because sometimes there can be a conflict for some people. Well, at no point in time did I ever blame God. At no point in time did I ever say, God, why me? Yep. I just accepted the fact that we live in a fallen world and that diseases come. Genesis 3. And I said, God, there's something you're showing me in, through this. Okay. My first prayer was for unity in the church. That somehow this group of people was going to come together and not support me, but support their pastor and somehow pitch in and, and show some strength, some, some strength that they hadn't had before mm -hmm. and really back their pastor, not Greg, back their pastor okay. and do things they hadn't done before. Yeah. Because I viewed this as a one-time event. Okay. I was going to go get surgery. Everyone told me it was early. I was going to go get surgery, get my prostate removed, have the cancer cured, and be done. I'm a male. Going to get it done. Yeah. I have a problem. Solve the problem. Move on with my life. Right, right, right. And that's what I did. On May 20th, of 2016, I had surgery. Two weeks later, went to see my surgeon. Greg, we got it all. You are cancer-free. Don't worry about it. Hmm. Went, went back to my congregation a few weeks later. They got it all. Cancer-free. Going to recover. Yeah. Everything's going to be back to normal. Right. Five months later, my PSA was doubling at an alarming rate. Wow. 
The man with no prostate should have no PSA. Correct, correct. This time I had to go to a medical oncologist. Wow. This time my life expectancy was now four years. Wow. I'm now stage four. Wow. So that's a very different narrative. That is a very different narrative from a one-time event, a curative event. He looks me in the eyes and said, you are now stage four metastatic systemic, no hope of a cure. Okay. Now, now what do I do? Now what do I tell the congregation? Now what do I tell my wife? Now what do I tell my family? Yeah, that's a very different uh, set of circumstances, no question about that. So what did you tell them? What did you say? The short of it, I said, uh, we're going to have to do this together. And we're, you challenge the church to step I, up. I challenge the church to step up. I love that. I love I challenge that. the church to step up. We're, I'm not done yet. We're going to have to do this together. There was a treatment plan. Um, that's when I came out here. Yeah. That's when I came to CTCA okay. for a second opinion. Okay. Uh, that's when I did chemo. That's when I did radiation. Okay. That's when I did two years of Lupron. Got it. And uh, challenge them to step up again. It's going to be a little longer than the surgery. Yep. And I never lost faith in God, never questioned him. And through this, he changed who I am. Mm, that's where I, I want to get there. I don't know exactly how to say it, but I'm a different man today okay. than I was. My faith in him is so much stronger. I turn to him more now than I ever did. There is something so different in me. Yeah. I appreciate simpler things in life. Yeah. My 403B does no longer, I no longer care about that. I no longer care about money. I no longer care about things of the world. Priorities have shifted. Priorities have shifted. If you can believe this, I used to be an introvert. Hmm. My Myers-Briggs personality test, yeah. I'm told, never changes in a human being. Okay. My personality has actually been changed. Wow. I've changed from an introvert to an extrovert. I come here, and I talk to people, and I do not stop talking to people. Yeah, I see you have your Cancer Fighters badge yes, on. Yes, I am. You're I'm a Cancer, cancer Fighter, fighter ambassador. ambassador. They saw something out here in me that I never saw in myself. Yeah. I come out here. And I talk to people with cancer. I do whatever I can to help someone else on this journey. Uh, we do our journey, hope at our church. Yep. I talk to men with prostate cancer on this journey. Men are very difficult sometimes to open up. Absolutely. And I have an opportunity to share with men on the issues associated with prostate cancer. And some of them are very difficult for men to deal with. Yes. And God has granted me these opportunities mm. to offer hope, not just for physical healing, but for emotional healing yeah. and spiritual healing, because he has offered me physical healing and emotional healing yep. and spiritual healing in my life. Well, two things you touched upon, Pastor, that is crucial and critical to this conversation that I have I've attempted to speak to on many levels over the years. Number one is the first component of 
uh, I'll take the latter first. Okay. And that is depending on one's theological orientation and focus. As we know, there are variations of that, uh, we, even within the Christian rank and yes, file, that there can be sometimes an underappreciation to the fact that there are different types of healings that can take place. And you listed the, the, the big three as far as I'm concerned, mental, emotional, and physical. And uh, what has been my experience 20 plus years is that I have seen people in some cases who were looking for physical healing but experienced mental and emotional healing. Mm-hmm. Or, and then the, the fourth category is relational healing. Uh, you really have tapped into something that, that we need to have more conversation about in the, in, in the faith circle. Absolutely. Obviously, anyone and everyone wants to be healthy, healed, and well, and should pursue that. Absolutely. That no, one would pers- no one would put themselves through any process of medical treatment and care if you didn't want to rid yourself of a physical ailment. So let's be clear. Uh, absolutely. But in that process, and what I have learned, particularly if we should lose uh, a believer, a loved one, that um, I have... To, I have tried to help people to understand not to score that as a win-loss situation when we overlooked all of the emotional healing that may have taken place in that person's life or mental healing or relational healing. And I can give several examples of all of those that though their bodies did not survive, you know, that process, what God did with them and to them mentally, emotionally, relational. uh, I've had family members say to me, I would still love to have my loved one here, but I am grateful for what God did to this person and with that person. And I heard you say that. The, the other dynamic is that how you have, you're you a changed man. I am a changed man. You know, part of our Christian faith is to talk about transformation, of being a new creature. And dare I say that there are things that also can take place in our lives that will help to facilitate that transformation in ways that we would not have signed up for or volunteered for. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, using your language, you know, once you're an introvert, now you're more of an extrovert. Well, there's a transformation that took place there on some level. And I just appreciate your honesty and your transparency that every day, as particularly as a, a spiritual leader, we don't stand on the mountaintop with our cape flowing in the wind saying we're faith man with theme song music in the background. And, you know, here I am to save the day. You know, hey, you're working through your journey. And those are some of the uh, uh, remnants of what has happened to you and with you. And I really because, see, the other side of this is, is that then you said you challenged the congregation to step up and be more. It is my personal belief that in many cases, our churches are full of people who are just waiting for the pastor to do all of the work. When the fact of the matter is scripturally, the Bible says that the, the role of the pastor is to teach and to, and to uh, groom the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4.11, I believe it is. Yes, it is. So with that, you know, I hear all of these wonderful things that though you may not have volunteered to drive down that street... <laughs> Uh, you were forced to drive down that street, and what has now come out of that? With the closing seconds that we have, you look good. You sound fantastic. I feel good. I, I wouldn't. Say, I wouldn't go back. You you look fantastic. I right? wouldn't go back. I wouldn't undo any of my journey because I am so better now. I'm such a. And that's I, where I was going to go. I am so changed now. I, I wouldn't gonna, go back. I was. I, that's where I was exactly. going God go. has placed me in this 
journey. God has placed these people yeah. in my path Praise on God. purpose yes. so that I can minister to them. You know, the hope I have is so I can touch another life. It doesn't matter what happens to me. That's where my hope is, where I can be Jesus. I can be there for someone else on this same journey. I don't know how many days I have, but I know who has my days. You know, my wife and I are going to spend however many days we have left together. Yes, sir. I mean, my hope is spending my last days with her. And whether I'm a senior pastor or not, I'm always going to be a pastor. Yes, sir. And I'm going to be ministering to To, people that are going through a cancer journey somewhere. Got it. And I hope that I can be a, a... involved in spiritual, emotional, physical, relational healing. I have seen families come back together because they've been healed with can- of, of relational issues. And, and is that not the ultimate work of Jesus Christ? That is the ultimate work. He, he helped people heal relationally, mentally, emotionally, and certainly physically. physically. Yeah. But again, what we do know and what we, we all should be encouraged around as we as I often tell people, I cheated and read the end of the book. <laughs> you know, uh, on the other side of glory, we still win this thing. Yes, we do. One of my the most annoying statements I could ever hear is they lost their battle. That's a true. A Christian cannot lose no. their battle to cancer. No. A Christian does nothing but win. Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. Uh, we, uh, uh, A guy that I supported uh, whose wife passed away, he taught me a statement that I've used very often. He said, listen, sometimes... He said, think about it this way. He said, uh, she didn't get, um, you know, she she got called up. She didn't give up. That's right. And so when we put that into its context, I think what it does do also, it helps us to reframe our thinking to do what we what is sitting in front of us for the here and the now and let each day unfold right. and allow us to be relaxed in that. Today, Pastor, you have blessed my socks That's off awesome. of me. My hope is for tomorrow, another day. Yeah, yeah, you've blessed me today. Thank you for your transparency. Thank, no, thank you, for you your, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Again, this you have heard today from Pastor Greg. Uh, he pastors the McConnellstown Church of the Nazarene. And what uh, city are you in in Pennsylvania? Well, it's in McConnellstown. The mailing address is Huntington, PA. But so, we're in McConnellstown, Pennsylvania. So if there's anyone that may be listening to the show and you're looking for what I would consider a good pastor, maybe not the largest church in the world. maybe Real not the handsome most guy. Yeah, real good-looking guy. He could be my pastor anytime just because of his transparency. And I'm going to give your address out if that's okay. Yeah, 5851 uh, Newtown Avenue in Huntingdon, PA. That's the mailing address. If you're in that area looking for a good church, uh, McConnell's Town Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Greg, thank you for being on Health, hope, and inspiration. May the Lord continue to bless your work that you do, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that gives us a lot to think about, doesn't it? And it leads me back to our question this week. Would it be helpful to you if your pastor publicly shared that he or she had cancer and why? Answer at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. We'll talk more about what we learned from Pastor Greg and Percy here in just a moment. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, a comprehensive cancer care network. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America 
or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE, H-O-P-E. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. And you can learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. So it was pastor to pastor today here on the on the program, Percy, as you talked to Pastor Greg. That was a wonderful conversation. It was. I love speaking to, obviously, uh, fellow shepherds. Uh, who lead the flock and and of course having a very honest conversation around cancer and the impact of it uh, on their their thinking and their emotions and how it impacts the congregation and this was a a really good conversation and 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 very forthright and very open yeah. and honest. Well, that's what I was thinking too. Very honest because he admitted that at first, you know, he was kind of a closed person. He didn't want to share all the details, but uh, the Lord had to deal with that in his life. He did. He, he, he openly, and I think that this is probably very uh, consistent for a lot of pastors for various different reasons, but in admitting that and, and disclosing that, I think that this is going to be helpful uh, uh, for other pastors and ministers, uh, God forbid, if they ever find themselves in that situation, to hear that from a fellow colleague in that same situation. Yeah. And this is true not just for pastors, but for men that we're a little more <laughs> reluctant, aren't we? <laughs> we are, and particularly around talking about prostate cancer in particular. So again, let's be clear when we talk about this particular type of diagnosis, uh, that becomes definitely a, a male-driven dynamic that in some cases, uh, as I often call, the wall of silence goes up and we tend to evade uh, uh, that discussion and not want to kind of publicly disclose that to anyone. So you're absolutely right in that regard. Yeah. Boy, when he got that diagnosis and the doctor gave him an X number of years to live, I mean, that that's pretty serious stuff. Well, yeah, it, and it's interesting that initially he was given uh, quite a few numbers of years yeah, that really, 10 I, years, think, I think, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so he, he was relatively excited about that as anyone would be. But then uh, the, that narrative shifted and changed because uh, after that, then he was told that he had a more aggressive form of prostate cancer. And that obviously shifted the dynamic uh, in terms of a time frame. And it really raises an interesting point, Wayne, and we've not really talked about this much on this platform is uh, there are some, and I've experienced both sides of this equation, who do not want their doctors to give them a window of time. Mm -hmm. They just simply say, I don't want to have that sitting in front of me. Right. And then there are those who do. They ask specifically uh, from a medical perspective, what do you think is the time frame here? So it speaks to the dynamic of depending on where the patient is located. Some patients want that and some patients do not want to hear that yeah. information. So how do you counsel people when they are given that kind of diagnosis? Well, again, I, I initially try to find out where they're located, and, and this is a great lead-in question for anyone that is supporting cancer patients. Uh, they, they'll share with you their diagnosis. They may share with you some specifics of the discussion with their doc. And then the comeback question should and can be, so how do you feel about that, or mm -hmm. how does that make you feel? And then you allow the patient to kind of give you a temperature of, of uh, what's going on inside of their consciousness and their thinking. And so back to the previous point, if someone should say, well, you know, I, I wanted that information. I needed to know that. Then you can go into some specifics. But for people who would say, well, I really didn't particularly want to hear that information. I don't want to know that. You know, one of my standard comments that I've made to people is that 
uh, unlike uh, produce or other goods and services, God did not stamp an expiration date on the bottom of your foot. <laughs> no. And so only God knows the number of days for you to live on planet Earth. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that is something to really uh, hang on to, despite what a doctor may say best from his uh, clinical uh, perspective. God only knows how many yeah. days you have to live on planet Earth. It's really interesting to hear Pastor Greg talk about the change in his own heart, because, I mean, here's a, here's a man who's spiritually in tune with God, and yet he was changed through his cancer diagnosis. Yeah, the specific comment that he made, and I I, pay, I made a mental note of it as we were discussing, he said, I'm now a different person, yeah. period. Yeah. I'm more empathetic. Uh, I'm more uh, conscious and more sensitive uh, to the needs of, of people hurting and struggling and et cetera. So again, even as a pastor, one who has you know received the call and the anointing of God, there are still elements of growth, development, and change that can take place. And I'm reminded of the scripture that says that we go from glory to glory mm -hmm. to glory. So we continue to matriculate as he did under his circumstance. Yeah, and, and he said he went from being an introvert to an extrovert. You know, just try to stop him talking to people now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because, uh, and, and this is so true for many cancer patients, uh, they almost feel compelled that they need to verbalize and express uh, what has happened and, and, and more specifically what God is doing in their life. And again, in this particular case, as one who is probably more inclined not to do so, uh, he felt very much like this scenario and situation uh, prodded that in him and that he was more than willing and does so on an ongoing basis to uh, to share and express uh, things in ways that maybe he would have never done previous to that. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Yeah, and it's obvious that God is using Pastor Greg now with a new empathetic heart that he has to really reach out to others who have cancer as well. He admitted that, and he said, I know who has my days. I love the way he put that. I know who has my days in his hand. Well, again, going back to uh, God has not stamped an expiration date on the bottom of our foot. Uh, I know the plans that I have for you, Jeremiah tells us, that the Lord tells us at the end of the day. So he 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 was reinforced by that and, and reinvigorated by that, quite frankly. And uh, so he moves forward with uh, somewhat of a renewed emphasis in his ministry and his ministry style. Uh, and again, he goes forward to declare the goodness of God while uh, having walked this journey and this path. And uh, God bless him and God bless the work that God has for him as he moves forward. Right. Well, our thanks to Pastor Greg Lanuski for opening up to Percy here on the program today. We'll talk more in just a moment, Percy, but I want to make the connection between uh, what we've talked about today and the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network that is there to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet the great need of people with cancer. So if you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join a growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. Joining is free. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leaders' resources. There's information about ministry training opportunities and, of course, our informative monthly email newsletter. So do this. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page, and join the Ministry Leaders Network today. Percy, I want to return to the question we're asking our listeners. I think it's such a pertinent question given the conversation here today. Do you want to ask the question again for us? Yes, sir. And again, I agree with you. And the question is this, would it be helpful to you if your pastor 
publicly shared that he or she had cancer and why. Uh, we would probably be surprised uh, what what people think and feel, and that's why we're asking this question. We want to hear from you specifically with regard to your thoughts of hearing that from your pastor and your congregation. Go to this website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on Connect, and then the drop-down menu will give you an opportunity to answer the question. We really appreciate you taking time to do that. healthhopeandinspiration.com, which is also where you go to download our free resource. You can have it in your hands right now. Emotional Needs of Cancer Patients, available at that same website. Well, Percy, let's return to that scripture passage now that you started the program with. Absolutely. And this this verse of scripture really makes sense, particularly given the fact uh, that Pastor Greg had shared with us how hard it was to stand before the congregation and to declare his weakness and that he was being weak. And that was the conflict. And I think that many pastors may struggle with that. But listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say in our Holy Scriptures found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Concerning this thing, what thing? Well, Paul was dealing with some type of affliction, some type of infirmity uh, that was bothering him. So Paul says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he, being God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, and in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Today, be encouraged. Mm. Be encouraged around the fact that in our weaknesses, we then can experience the power and the strength of Christ that can come upon us. And that's exactly what Pastor Greg helped us to understand as he stood in front of his congregation. So very powerful. Thank you, Percy. Thank you, Pastor Greg, once again. All right. Thank you for joining our community around this podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Pass the word that we're available to anyone who wants to sign up and listen. HealthHopeAndInspiration.com is where you go to get all the information. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Percy McRae. Percy, thanks for bringing Greg to us today, and we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. And remember, we've got work to do, so keep chopping the wood. There you go. Thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Hope and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.